Amen. Amen. Morning, lovely people. Great to see you. Uh, Before we start, what I actually would like to do is, if you are a member of the Coastline staff team uh, and you served Blessed Bournemouth yesterday, would would you stand, please? These guys worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make that happen yesterday. So why don't we honour them and say thank you to them. Bless you. It was awesome to see the church at work. That's because of you. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah, what a day. What a day. Um, Just before I start, um, I want to say, many of you know this already, that in the vineyard, as as a vineyard church, we're independent so we can make decisions, but we're interdependent, i.e. we're part of a, a family. John, as you saw, is coming next week. So there are, there are a whole load of leaders and pastors that I have been on a journey with over probably the last 24 months in terms of us arriving at the destination that we're currently at, um, discerning and praying. So I publicly just want to thank uh, our area leaders, uh, Claire and Ed Evans, who have uh, just been amazing, prayerful warriors behind the scenes, praying for us as a church. Many of you will have met Ed when he came and anointed, appointed, uh, commissioned me uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, and also I want to thank uh, John Clark, who's the, the, the senior pastor of Hull Vineyard. Amazing to, again, listen to their story, how God's led them, uh, you know, think mistakes that they've made uh, on this journey of uh, ending up in a kingdom facility that's now doing incredible things. Uh, but I also wanted to, to publicly honor John and Debbie Wright. They are our national directors, and John Wright has just been absolutely awesome through this whole process. Uh, he's been praying for us. Uh, obviously, he's been talking to me a lot, and um, you know, it's great to be part of a movement of churches where we can pray for one another, discern with one another. Yeah, we can give them a clap. So we have been in a four-week series called Building for the Future. I've been unpacking with us a vision that the Lord has given us, uh, well, quite a long time ago, but I I brought it to you in my vision talk in February this year about us moving towards buying a kingdom facility, a place to call home. If you remember in week one, I talked about how God was leading us Forward, how he is growing his church and this charge before us to make space for more. In week two, I talked to us about how we need to bathe this whole process in prayer and fasting and the importance of utter dependence on God as we go through this. Of course, as we go uh, through this, but obviously in everything. Uh, I talked about us moving as a church community into a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. And then last week, I talked about trusting for a miracle. I talked about how we can play our part, and we need to trust God to do his. Every week since we started this series, uh, I've shown this little video. I'm going to show it again. I'm just aware some people might not have seen it, and some people may be watching this back online. And I want you just to see or catch a glimpse of what God has done in three vineyard churches. I mean, he, he's done this in multiples of vineyard churches, but we just managed to capture the miracle of buildings and a kingdom facility that God has done in three. So why don't we just watch this video? Hey church, I'm here at St Albans, the current venue of Coastline Vineyard every Sunday. 
This place has been such a blessing for us over the last four or five years, but God is asking us to go on a new adventure. Here on Sundays and in pretty much every area of coastline life, we are growing. God has called us to find or to build a building to facilitate all the current kingdom uh, ministries that are happening, but also to make space for more, to establish a vineyard church here in Bournemouth for generations to come. But is that even possible? And what would it look like? Well, thankfully, a number of vineyard churches across the UK and Ireland have taken this great step of faith, the same step of faith that we are about to take. So here we are at Trent Vineyard Church in Nottingham. Our staff team and our leaders have come all the way here for Vineyard Leaders Gathering 2023. So I thought I would take the chance to show you what a building purpose-built for ministry could look like. Amazing. This is an established vineyard church. This is what the Lord can do. Currently, for Coastline Kids, we are in three very, very small rooms. Let's take a little look inside Trent Kids to see the kind of options for spaces that we could have with a purpose built kids' venue. Look at the size of this. This is their main kids' auditorium. It's got so much space, so much room for activities. Uh, It's great. They still have them all in together, but it's huge space for worship, loads of time for games. They've got a little stage so you can kind of contain stuff, keep it nice and safe for the kids. It's brilliant. As well as the main kids' auditorium, they've got loads and loads of breakout rooms all along uh, with space for different age groups to do their stuff. They've got toys, games, all sorts of stuff laid out. Perfect spaces for babies, for toddlers, uh, as well as then smaller spaces to do life groups and stuff like that as well. Meanwhile, St Albans and Hull Vineyard churches have made converted warehouses their homes. Let's see how they've used their buildings to reach new levels of effectiveness in ministry. Vineyard churches took on a seemingly impossible task that God made possible. We believe that God is calling us to take this step of faith, to usher in the revival that we're all believing for and change Bournemouth forever. Would you come on this great adventure with us? So I want to end this uh, series uh, by talking about something that's super important. I believe that we are a community that wants to please God. The question is, what does it take to please God? Is it just a question of uh, rules and regulations? Is it about making a list of all the things that we should do and all the things that we shouldn't do? And then if we do all the things that we should do and we don't do the things that we shouldn't do, then God will be pleased with us. That is for sure how some people view Christianity. They think that everything that is fun is forbidden 
and everything that, is compuls- everything that isn't fun is compulsory. But the Bible says something else. The Bible says that God isn't so interested in rules or regulations or religion. He's interested in relationship with us. He wants us to learn to trust him. And the Bible says that it's actually impossible to please God unless we have this one super important thing. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. God says it's impossible to please him unless we live by faith. So it's pretty important then for us to know what faith is. The righteous, that's the followers of Jesus, will live by faith, Galatians 3 verse 11. And faith is like a diamond. It is multifaceted. There are many different aspects to our faith. And this morning, I want us to look at four. Four aspects of faith that show us how to live the kind of life that pleases God. Now, if we want to look at faith in the Bible, the best place to start is Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open them? If not, it's going to come up on the screen. And Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame, or should I say God's hall of faith. It's a great list of men and women in the Bible who God says, these people did well. These people had faith. So let's look together at these four aspects of how to live by faith. Number one. Faith is believing when we don't see. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, Hebrews 1.1. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seeing it in advance. It's being certain of what we do not see. See, so often with human beings, we say things like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, no, 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 you've got this the wrong way round. Some things you have to believe in order to see. Take an architect, for instance. When they are planning a building, they have to believe in it, right? They have to have a vision for it before they can see it. They'll often design a whole building when it doesn't actually exist on computer or whatever. But it's in their imagination. They believe it before they see it. And whether you're an artist creating a sculpture, or whether you're a scientist trying to send a man to the moon, you have to believe it before you can see it. All of these things require faith. That's what the Bible says faith is. Number one is believing when we don't see it. Warner von Braun, who actually built some of the first rockets that sent a man to the moon, he said this. This really inspired me. He said, there has never been any significant achievement in human history that was not accompanied by faith. 
It all started out that somebody believed that it was possible. They believed in advance. They believed before they could see. Eight years ago, you know, we cast vision that God had given us for this very church. And then we saw God do audacious things, things that we believe God said would happen then actually happened. And some of you caught that vision. You had faith. You believed in it before it came to pass. In fact, if you were here before eight years ago and you heard the vision before Coastline existed, raise your hands. How many men and women are here? Look, men and women of faith right there. But faith is also more than that. Number two, faith is obeying when we don't understand. In Hebrews, God gives us, in this Hebrews 11's passage, God gives us a couple of examples. First is a man called Noah. Just think about this. Uh, Noah must have had some doubts, right? Can you imagine if God speaks to you one day and says, listen, I'm going to wipe out the whole of the human race, and I'm going to start again with you. You might be like, oh, was that the cheese from the night before? You'd have lots of questions, right? Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says this. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Faith, the Bible says, is obeying when we don't understand. This didn't make any sense to Noah. He probably had a whole list of questions and doubts because obviously this has never happened before. But because Noah had faith, he obeyed even though it didn't make sense. Think about it. God said to him, I want you to build this boat in the middle of the desert and I will bring the water to you. Can you imagine that? Noah obeyed when he didn't understand. And I'm glad he did, because you could argue that we are all descendants of his. Example number two is a guy called Abraham. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham here is 75 years old. He's just about to retire, and God says, I don't want you to retire. I want you to get ready to go on the adventure of your life. Age 75. God's like, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to transform you to become the father of a brand new nation. Abraham, buckle up. We're going to a new country. (laughs) And I'm sure Abraham must have had all kinds of questions and doubts. But because Abraham obeyed when he didn't understand, he became the father of the nation of Israel. And Genesis 12, verse 3 says, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He's talking to Abraham. All peoples on earth are blessed Because Abraham obeyed even when it didn't make sense. Faith always involves risk. We know John Wimber said, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. 
But often people want some kind of guarantee before they'll obey God. They read something in the Bible or they hear God tell them something and they're like, listen, God, once you guarantee that everything is going to work out how I think it will work out, then I'll do it. But God says that doesn't require any faith. God says, I want you to believe when you don't see. I want you to obey when you don't understand, when you can't work out how it's all going to work out. Now, forgive me if you've heard this story before. Um, I've I've shared it many times before. But when Alice and I came to Jesus, wow, I don't know, 18, 18 years ago, uh, we were living together, we'd been together for years, we had a beautiful flat in Boscombe, and we both came to faith and we felt the Lord say to us, stop having a physical relationship and give up your flat and live apart. And I can tell you, at the time, we didn't understand. I had even people that were close to me, members of my family, saying to me, you stupid, beep, 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 you're going to lose the best thing that's ever happened to you. There was resistance. It was difficult. There were no promises of a future together for us. Um, We didn't understand. But all we knew is that God had asked us to do this. And I believe that our marriage was founded on that act of obedience. God said, so we did, and I'm so glad we did. We've been together 21 years. We've been married 16 years. God has blessed us over and over and over again. And and just so you know, uh, the other thing I forgot to say was um, God also told us to give everything away that was in our flat. That was difficult, but we did that. And I remember literally two years down the line of us making this decision and committing to, to focus on God, solely focusing on him and honoring what he'd asked us to do, I remember we were sat in a flat that we owned. I was touching the walls like this. We had nothing, not even one couch. We were sat on the floor, and I said, we own our own walls. (laughs) It was amazing, God's uh, blessing on us. God blesses obedience. In the New Testament, there are 1,050 commands of God where he says, do this, Or do that and I will bless your life. Every time God tells us to do something, it's a test. It's a test of who are we going to believe, God or our reason. Am I going to do the right thing that God tells me to do? Or am I going to do the right thing that I think I should do? Am I going to believe that God knows best? Or am I going to believe that I know best? Of these 1,050 commands, a lot of them seem unreasonable, unusual, even inconvenient. Some of them seem impossible to do, but they're all for our benefit because God loves us. He's our heavenly dad, and he knows best. Do you remember when you were a child, when your parents would ask you to do something and it made no sense at all. Every one of you have thought this. When they've asked you to do it, you've gone, oh, they're just old fogies. They don't really know anything about this. But now, looking back, if you're honest, 
You can see the wisdom in what they were telling you to do. In hindsight, we look back and we can see the things that they told us. They did it because they did it out of love, right? It was for our own benefit. Well, God's way wiser than our parents. When we ignore what he tells us to do, it's foolish. He's our creator, and the Bible is the owner's manual for life. If we ignore his word, who are we going to hurt? Not God. We're just going to end up hurting ourselves. There's lots of times God doesn't make sense, right? For instance, like when, when people hurt us, when people abuse us, when people mistreat us, God says, forgive them. Does that sound like the right thing to do? No, the natural thing to do seems like to get even or to retaliate. God says, don't be resentful. Because resentment always hurts us more than it hurts whoever we're resentful against. I heard someone say once that resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Just forgive them for your own sake so that you can get on with your life. Because if we hold on to hurt and bitterness, we're only hurting ourselves. It doesn't seem right. It may not even feel right, but it is right because God says to do it. Look, the point is, if we learn to do whatever God tells us to do, even when we don't understand, even when it's hard, then God can bless our lives. On the other hand, if we ignore what God asks us to do, like we're like, well, I'm going to do what I think's best. I am going to be my own God The potential is we miss out on all of the blessing that God has planned for our lives. So, firstly, faith is believing when we don't see. Secondly, faith is obeying when we don't understand. Thirdly, the Bible tells us faith is giving when it costs. Giving and faith go hand in hand. And God uses finances to test our faith. Have you ever had to decide between giving to God or paying a bill, or giving to God and having to pay for something else? It's a test. God is saying, who are you going to trust, God or yourselves? In Hebrews 11, this hall of fame, the first guy who gets listed is a man called Abel. And Abel gets listed not because he did something great, not because he had some great accomplishment. No, he had no great accomplishment. But the thing he did was he gave his best to God. He gave a sacrificial offering, and God put him in the hall of fame. Why? Well, it wasn't how much he gave, excuse me, it wasn't what he gave, but it was how he gave. Hebrews 11.4, by faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offering. The Bible here is talking about giving in faith. He said it wasn't what he gave that pleased God, but it was the heart, the heart of devotion in which he gave that pleased God. It was sacrificial and it cost him. And there are two ways that we can give. I've talked about it a little bit uh, in, in the last few weeks. We can give by fear, or we can give by faith. We can give by reason, 
or we can give by revelation. One of these ways we don't get any credit for. The other way pleases God. First, we can give by reason, right? We can look at our bank accounts. We can see how much money we've got. We can figure out how much we can afford. Then we can give a reasonable amount based on what we can afford. And God says that doesn't require faith. An atheist can give by reason. You don't have to believe in God for that. The other way we can give, as I've asked all of you, is to give by revelation. Revelation is when we pray and we ask God, God, what do you want me to give? How much do you want me to trust you for this sacrificial offering? That's giving by faith. That's the kind of giving that God blesses. Some people say, well, look, God, you bring me some massive, big money windfall, and when it arrives, I will give some of it back to you. Well, look, that may be gratitude, but that's not faith. Giving by faith is when it costs us something. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3 says, because of their great joy, they gave, it gave even more than they could afford. Uh, Rick Warren, who is the pastor of Saddleback, the best-writing author of Purpose Driven Life, we've, we've studied that before, he quotes a very successful, wealthy man who lives just near to their church in the States. And this guy said to Rick, he said, Rick, tell your people that the best time to give is when their business, their businesses are in the dumps, when they're in trouble, because that's when you need God's help the most. Anyone can believe when they can see something in front of them. Anyone can obey when they can work out all of the results when they uh, can you know, work out how things are going to happen, it's when we don't feel like it and it doesn't make sense. Then we're stepping out in faith. And God says, I want to bless your life. But you have to trust me first. 2, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says this. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God basically says, you can never outgive me, but faith is giving when it costs. Now today, hopefully, all of you know that at the end of this message, we are going to take our first uh, gift day towards building for the future. Hopefully, all of you that would call Coastline your home have spent some time in God's presence praying and asking him, what should I give? And if he's put a figure in your mind, which absolutely is going to cost you something, let me encourage you to join me in exercising your faith in giving that costs you because it's giving sacrificially and that's faith that pleases God. But it's more than that as well. Number four, faith is persisting when we don't feel like it. That's the complete opposite of our culture, isn't it? Our culture says, do everything based on your feelings. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Do whatever you feel. Live by your emotions. And as a result, we end up being manipulated by our moods. Mature, 
Christian people live by their commitments, not their emotions. Emotions come and go. As I said to you in message one, he leads us forward. As we begin this process and preparing to give towards a building, we could expect to be hassled by the enemy. But what do we do when we're hassled? The answer is we keep on persisting. We keep on doing the right thing even when we don't feel like it. I mean, sometimes I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. And when I don't feel like it, it's usually when I need to read my Bible and pray the most. I have to keep on doing it despite how I feel. I honestly believe, actually, uh, church, that's the secret to kingdom success. How do you become a professional athlete? Hours and hours and hours and hours of exercising. But if you asked a professional athlete, do you always feel like working out six or eight hours a day? They'd say, no. Think of a master musician. If we ask them, you know, do you feel like practicing, you know, hours and hours and hours a day to become an expert at your instrument? If we said to them, do you, do you, do you, do you feel like doing that uh, every day? They'd say, no. Well, let me tell you, church. Godly men and godly women don't become that way by accident. They become that way because they choose to do things and develop uh, spiritual, biblical rhythms that develop their apprenticeship with Jesus, whether they feel like it or not. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. Faith is doing the right thing even when we're tired. The question is, How do we develop persistence? In Hebrews 11, verse 27, God gives us the example of Moses. He says this, By faith he, that's Moses, left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses led an entire nation that had been in slavery for over 400 years across a wilderness, through the Red Sea, into the Sinai Peninsula, and they traveled around in circles for 40 years. 40 years waiting for God to get the people ready to go into the Promised Land. A 40-year wait in a desert is a pretty long time. How can we then Persist. How did they persist? Well, it's the last phrase here in verse 27, where it says he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. The key is keeping our eyes on God. That's what Moses did. When we keep our eyes on God, it keeps us persistent. And some of us here today, or maybe you're watching this back online, you feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like giving up on your marriage. Maybe you feel like giving up on your boyfriend or your girlfriend, giving up on a friendship because it just seems too hard. Maybe you're ready to give up on a, on a, on a career or a dream or the hope of ever getting married. Some of you feel like your health situation is hopeless. You're like, I'm never going to get any better. Some of you think your finances at the moment are hopeless. You're, never gonna, you're saying to yourself, I'm never going to get out of debt. And if you're feeling like giving up, one of the reasons that God has brought you here today or watching online is so he could say to you, don't give up. 
Don't believe, keep believing when you don't see. Keep obeying when you don't understand. Giving when it costs you. And keep persisting when you don't feel like it. Keep your eyes fixed on him. If we just focus on our problems, we get overwhelmed. I heard it said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. It's all about what we have our eyes on. If Johnny and the band want to come back up now. Look, for each of us listening to this message, maybe ask yourself, which of these aspects of faith do you need to work on? Like, how much faith do you have? Ask yourself, am I pleasing God? Ask yourself, do I need to work on believing when I don't see? Do I need to work on obeying when I don't understand? Do I need to work on giving when it costs me? Or do I need to work on persisting when I don't feel like it? You say, well, John, how can God build our faith? Well, there are two ways that God uh, builds our faith, and I'm going to end with this. First is through his word. It's through the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the word of God. So the more we get into this book, the more our faith is going is to grow. The more we hear the word of God preach, and then we actually apply it in our lives, our faith is going to grow. If we don't ever read our Bibles, we're not going to grow our faith muscle. This is our spiritual food, and it does grow us. The other way that God builds our faith is through tests and trials. 1 Peter 1.7 says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God will use difficulties to test our faith. God will use the demands of our time to test our faith. God will use financial giving to test our faith. God uses delays to test our faith. Some of you are going through a tough time right now. You're ready to give up, and I say to you, hang on. God can make a way if you keep your eyes on him. If we work on these four aspects of our faith, we will live lives that please God. And I'll end where I started. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Amen? Amen. Amen.